Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Are you ready to hear the Word of God today? Amen. Well, I'm ready to preach it. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 133, 133. We're going to read right at the top here, verses 1 through 3. This is one of the shortest Psalms in the Bible. It is only three verses long. Um, interestingly enough, it is not the shortest Psalm in the Bible. It is one of the shortest Psalms in the Bible. I'm going to go ahead and read it. It'll be behind me on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along. How wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down the head and the beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon, mountain dew, amen, (laughs) flowing down the slopes of Zion, yes. That's where God commands the blessing. That's where God ordains eternal life. I want to give you the title of my message today, but I want to introduce that title with a quick story. Um, When I saw brothers and sisters get along, I could not help but reflect on the relationship that I have with my younger sister. Are there any brothers and sisters in church today? Like you have like a biological brother or sister. Uh, Keep your hand raised if you're the older one. You're the older sibling. Yeah, my people, you know the pain. You know what that's like. Honestly, I love my sister. She was in the first service, so I had to be careful in that one. But she's not here today. So for this, I can just keep it real. She's an amazing, amazing young woman. Suffice to say, if you ever had a sibling, it would not be crazy to admit that we didn't always get along. A lot of times we got into arguments and and fights, and mostly they happened around the Monopoly table. Some of our worst fights, uh, what would happen is that I would would just, I'm amazing at Monopoly. So I would win. I don't mean to brag, but pretty good. And she was not so good. And my mom was like, everything has to be fair. You know how moms are. You want to keep it balanced. Um, And so I would be winning, and then while I'm winning, she's losing, she would like sneakily slip $500 bills under the table to my sister so that she could continue playing. And I see her spending money. And I'm like, how are you not out of the game yet? And I would peek under the table. My mom will be slipping her 500s. I'm like, mom, this is not how Monopoly works. It's called Monopoly. Now welfare, OK? <laughs> Can't just give this stuff out, all right? We got some rules here. But she would do it, and we would get into a fight. And I don't remember exactly what I said in this one particular fight. I know I said some things. I know she said some things. And I don't remember what we said to each other, but I do remember what my mother said to us. My mother looked at us as we were in the heat of our argument, and she said, stop it. Listen, okay? And then she looked at us both in the eye and said, you better learn how to get along, because you are family. And then she said, whether you like it, or not. <laughs> That's right. The title of today's sermon is We Are Family. Like it or not? And I felt the need to bring this message on the same 
day that we launch small groups because I really want you to know that if you are a Christian, you need to know that when you stepped into the faith, you didn't just step into a faith, you stepped into a family, like it or not. And if you are a, not a Christian, if you are not a Christian or you're on the, the edge of Christianity and contemplating, I'm glad you're here today because you're going to hear what that all entails. I think you need to know everything you're committing to when you commit to Christianity before you do it. Because if you're on the outside looking in, it probably doesn't make any sense when I tell you you've got to be in community. You've got to get connected to people. You probably think, well, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus is the one who died for me. People didn't die for me. So I love Jesus, but forget people. I don't want to deal with people. People are not the one who gave their lives to me. So Jesus is the one. So I'm just going to love Jesus, and I'm not going to love people. But it doesn't work like that. It's a lot like marriage. In marriage, I I remember when my wife and I were dating and it started to get serious, I knew there was a point now that I was going to have to introduce her to my family. There's a pivotal point in every relationship when that step is taken. And I remember when it was time to introduce her to my family, and I felt like it was very important for me to prepare her for the people she was going to meet. Specifically, I needed to prepare her for two people. The first, you already heard about her, that's my sister. I needed to prepare her for Victoria or Christina Vasquez because my sister, God bless her, there's no one like her in the entire world. No one like her. Here's the deal with my sister. She's like the most honest person you will ever meet in your entire life. And I love that about her. There is no fakeness. There is no pretending. She's going to tell you what she thinks, whether you asked for it or not. She has no filter. I'm glad that I prepared my wife for this interaction when my wife came to pick me up, or she was my girlfriend at the time, not even, we were just talking. She came to the house, knocked on the door, opened my sister, though, got to the door before me. She opened up. She said, who are you? That's just my sister, who she is. So who are you? And Liz said, Pastor Liz said, um, my name's Liz, and I'm here to pick up your brother. We're going on a date to the beach. And my sister said, JJ? My JJ? She's like, yeah, JJ, that's Am I at the right house? Like, yeah. You're going on a date with him? She said, yeah. I kid you not. This is what she said. She goes, oh, you're way too pretty for him. <laughs> she goes, you're on another league. He's out of, you're out of his league. Just like that, y'all. And then let her in the house. Okay. When she came in, she was like, you know what your sister told me? I was like, I, t- I prepared you. prepared you. The second person I had to prepare her to meet is my mother. Now, my mother is the best. I love her. My mother's special because my mother has a lot of energy. She was the founding children's pastor of Journey Church because she has just tons and tons of energy. She's great at that. But sometimes her energy could be a lot. So I had to prepare my wife for that interaction. Listen, when you meet my mom, just know she's got a lot of energy. Don't be scared. She's not going to bite, but it might be scary. And thank goodness I did that, because one of the times Liz and I were hanging out in the game room in our house, the door was closed. We were watching a movie or TV or talking. I can't remember. I know we weren't doing anything crazy. And the door probably shouldn't have been closed, but it was. My mom, my mom burst through the door. She's got a long trench coat on. She takes the trench coat, closes it, and as she closes it, does a triple spin. 
looks at us and then goes, Matrix. <laughs> to this day, I still don't know why she said or did those things. She just said Matrix, boom, and then left, closed the door. My wife and I were looking at each other. I was like, I told you before you knew me, this is going to happen. And I think low-key, my wife was actually pretty grateful because she was like, well, that's cool because you haven't met my family yet. And I think it's good that I've met yours first because now the tables will be balanced when you meet mine. And I met her family and I was like, what you talking? You got a great family. Her mom is like the best, the servant of all servants. I was over at the house for dinner one day. She served me the biggest piece of flan uh, at the table. When she gave me that big piece of flan, I was like, did you tell her we were dating? She goes, yeah. I was like, I can tell the flan. <laughs> I got the biggest piece. She was like, no, 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 it's not my mom I'm preparing you for. <laughs> so who are you preparing me for? She said, my dad. Now, I don't know if you know Pastor David. Pastor David is also a servant of servants. He will drive three hours to drive you somewhere, because that's just the kind of guy that he is. The only thing about Pastor David is that he's very stern when he has to be, you know? So I mean, one day, we were talking about my relationship with his daughter and about my intentions. And so I was like, I got good intentions. Just going to date, you know, and then hopefully we'll get married. Like, I got good intentions. He said, that's good. I like you. I like you. Which I was rare because he didn't like any of the guys. So I was like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> but even after that, like you, did not come what I thought would come. After that, like you, he says to me, he goes, cool, cool. But if you hurt her, I'm going to cut your And I did what you did. I was like, ha, 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 but he wasn't laughing. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is, yes, sir. It was her. And I walked away from the dining room table, and she was like, what did he tell you? I was like, he said some things. <laughs> and that's good. And, but here's what I'm talking about. Here's what you know if you're getting married. When you get married, you don't just marry that person. You marry everybody. You marry the whole family. Here's why this is significant. Because one of the metaphors for the relationship that the Christian has with Christ is marriage. The Bible says that Jesus is the groom and that we are the bride. And I'm just telling you, if you're going to marry Christ, you better get ready for the whole family. <laughs> you better get ready for the whole family because you don't get to marry Jesus and not welcome his kids. You don't get to marry Jesus and not welcome his brothers and his sisters. Jesus is like, if you want me, perfect me, you better get ready to hang out with all my imperfect siblings. You better get ready to hang out with all my imperfect children. I'm just telling you, you don't have the option to choose to live Christianity in isolation. It is not afforded to you. You can't go home, watch an online service, not get in an online group, not invite someone over to watch it with you, read your Bible, pray, and say, I'm just being a Christian, just worshiping God, but not in relationship with anybody. Sorry, doesn't work like that. When you get Jesus, you get everybody. Like it or not. Because when God works, he always works through people in a community, never in individuals through isolation. When he wanted to do a move of God, when he wanted to start the church, he picked 12 disciples, not one. When he wanted to send the Holy Spirit, God's presence with the church, he did it in an upper room with 120 people who were present. For all of us who say God's the only one that I need, if that's true, that he would have ended creation at Adam. When God created Adam and it was just Adam and God, 
God looked at Adam for all of those who say, God is all I need. I know this is wrecking your theology right now, but hear me when I tell you, God is not all you need. Because when it was just Adam and God, it should have been fine right there. But God himself said, it is not good for man to be alone. I just need God. That's cool. But if you just need God, God is someone on another level. You need people on your life who are on the same level or else you won't have anything to relate to. This is how God moves. He moves in people's lives together. You don't get the choice to ask, am I going to be a part of this family? You are, whether you like it or not. The question is, what part will I play in this family of God? What part will I play? And let me just tell you right now, you cannot do life alone any more than you can play basketball alone. Can't do it. Now, I told y'all I was from New York. And what I didn't tell you is if you're from New York, you already know it, that in New York, basketball is like the official religion of New York. We are home to Rucker Park. We got basketball courts on every block. And if you grew up in New York, you had to learn how to play basketball or else you wasn't going to have no friends, okay? And so growing up, I wanted to get really good at basketball. And I would be at the park by myself, and I would practice the dribbling moves, and I would try and, bam, you know. <laughs> quick, 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 quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you go. And I would just yell, bam, 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 behind the back. Bam. You know, I'd practice my crossover move, just like, bam, you know, just do all that. Yeah, exactly. I look good. <laughs> you see me do all that, and you're like, oh, Pastor JJ, take a ball. He can play. Yeah, well, well <laughs> I know I look like I can play, but it was crazy. When I was on myself, I had all these moves, man. It was great. It was great. But then people would get on the court. And I was real good playing. But then when people got on, all of a sudden, I couldn't do the things that I could do when I was by myself. <laughs> Listen to me. Basketball is not meant to be played alone. The true measure of a Christian is not what he does when he's by himself. The true measure of Christian is how he plays when other people get on the court. Are you kind? Are you gentle? Are you generous? Can you pass the glory? Or are you a ball hog and selfish with all the attention? Like, how does it work? Because I know a lot of Christians, they, 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 they're, they're good at praying. And they're like, ooh, I can pray. I love praying. Praying is good. Praying is good. I'm good, I'm good at praying. Fasting. Ooh, I'm good at fasting. I love fasting. Fasting is good. That's awesome. Worship. Oh, boy. Whoa. Worship. Whoa. Worship. Worship. You know what I'm saying? Worship. I can worship. I got that. But if what you're doing in private has no impact on what you're doing in public. Then what are you even doing? You're not doing, you're not playing, you're practicing. And in the words of Allen Iverson, practice? We're talking about practice? Those private disciplines are to make us better publicly. But if we don't work well with people, it does not matter how good we can dribble. Christianity was supposed to be designed interrelationally. It does not exist. Now, I get it. I get why you would want to play with no one else, because playing basketball with people is a lot harder. Of course it is, because the moment you get people on the court, they're going to try and steal. The moment you get other people on the court, they're going to try and block. You know who you blockers are? Blockers. The moment you get on the court, listen, how do you respond when someone fouls you? How do you respond when someone calls a call on you that's not really the, great, the right call? How do you react? 
When people test you and try you and push you. After all, I said that we're a family, but I didn't say we were one big happy family. You need to know this. I I hate to burst your bubble if you're not a Christian here, but I'm going to tell you something that might not incline you to make that decision to follow Christ. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'm just going to keep it real. Not all Christians are nice people. No, people can be a pain. People can be petty. People can be problematic. But before you use that as an excuse to isolate yourself, remember two things. Number one, so can you. And so can I. And we wouldn't want anybody to use the worst of ourselves as an excuse to get away from us. And number two, as difficult as it might be to live with others, hear me, it's worth it. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. There's something about community. There's something about getting with others. It's difficult. It's not easy. But like it or not, it's God's plan for growth and development in your life life. I wrote it like this. Like it or not, no Christian is an only child. We are family, and we are all family here together. Here's my first point. Like it or not, we are each other's home. We are each other's home. Psalms 133, verse 1, a song of ascents of David. How wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. When I read this passage to you, I left out the preface. The preface is the part that tells you about the psalm. Here you find out that this psalm is a song of ascents. A psalm is either a poem or a song, like a prayer poem or a, or a song. And this, there are 15 song of ascents in the book of Psalms. And the song of ascent is a song that the Jerusalem, the Jewish believers would sing on their way to Jerusalem. Back in the Bible times, there was only one church, not a lot of churches like we have today. There was just one church, and you would go to that church three times a year. Everybody from all over Jerusalem, from all over the world, would go to that church three times a year. Please come to church more than three times a year, please. And sometimes it would be a far journey. And as they were going on this journey, they would sing songs. And it was the same songs. And all of the believers memorized these 15 songs. And these are one of the 15 songs they memorized as they walked to Jerusalem. And the reason why it's called a song of ascent is because Jerusalem was on a mountain. It was on a hill. So as they were climbing up the hill, they would head home. Now, when I say home, that doesn't make any sense to you because to me and you, or you and I, home is a place. It's an address. It's a space, a location in time. But how can you have a home on a pilgrimage? When you're on the road and you're journeying, you see this whole ascent is a metaphor for life where home is not where you are and home is not even where you came from. Home is where you're going. Life is the journey and heaven is home. And we are all on the ascent towards home. The problem is this journey can sometimes be lonely. This journey can sometimes be painful. And for some people, this journey can sometimes be long. So how do you find a home when you're on the journey? Enter community. People become that home. Imagine it, if you will, tens of thousands of people walking the same road, sharing the same purpose, headed to the same destination, singing the same song. Can you feel it? The power of community and unity and and family. Because if there's something a song can do, it makes strangers into family. I'll prove it. I'm going to sing some songs from back in the day. I'm going to sing some songs from today. And I want you to finish the lyric for me. And as you do it, I want you to fill the room. And I want you to look at your neighbors and see who knows the lyric, who doesn't know. Just look around. 
And I think you're going to enjoy it, but, but I'm going to go way back. I'm going to do different genres because I know there's some people you know, that, from different genres and different eras. So here we go. If you can finish the song, I want you to finish it with me. Whoa, we're halfway there. Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Yeah, all right, good job, guys, good job. That's on you, all right. Sweet Caroline. <laughs> good times never seem so good. So good. Hey, good job, good job. This is for all my millennials. Here are all my millennials. <laughs> you are my fire, the one desire, believe when I say. Tell me why. <laughs> Come on. A millennial will get in on tell me why. Come on. They will catch the spirit at tell me why. Tell me why. It's Something inside of us comes out when we get there. The other one is for my hip-hop people. And I know there's a lot of songs, and I could have picked a lot of them. But this is the one right here. If you know hip-hop, then and you know this is an OG song. Maybe you can finish this for me. Are you ready? I wish I was a little bit taller. Wish I had a girl that looked good, I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six-foot impala. <laughs> Did you feel it? Something happens in the room when you don't know that person's story, you don't know what that person's been through, you don't, you don't look the same, you don't have the same age, you didn't go to the same high school, you weren't born in the same year, but you look at each other and be like, oh, you know this song, I know this song. <laughs> Something happens, there's a community that's created. Maybe that's why in heaven, we all sing the same song. I promise you, heaven is the best concert you will ever attend in your eternal life. I promise. And, and in heaven, we all sing the same song. And it goes like this. All power, all glory, all honor to the Lamb who is seated on the throne. We all sing it. And it's moving because people from different backgrounds and stories come together. And if you're like me, you got the same question. How in the world do we all know the lyrics? How does the whole world know to sing this song if it's the first time we've ever been to heaven? When you get there and you like check in to heaven, it's like St. Peter there, you know, and he's like, here's your ticket and here's the chord chart. We're starting on three. We're starting on three. All right, get up in there, get up in there. Is there a big LED wall when we get to heaven and we just look at the all honor and glory and power? I don't, it's the first time I've heard this. I don't know. I don't know, I can't get the key. It's just singing it all together. How do we all know the song? I'll tell you why we know the song. Because you can tell where a person's from by the songs that they know. Yeah. If you know some country songs, I know where you're from. I know where you're from. If you know some hip hop songs, I know where you're from. If you know some opera songs, I have no idea where you're from. No idea <laughs> where you're from, but know where I've been, I'll tell you right now. You can tell what a person's been through by the songs that they know. Maybe the reason why we all know the same song when we get there is because we've all been through some things. We've all been through pain. We've all been through heartache. We've all been through, through, through shame. We've been through sin. And we all got the same Savior who rescued us from all those same things. So when we get there, of course, inside of our hearts, without even knowing it, all power and glory and honor to the one who rescued me. 
We're belonging. There's belonging. The beautiful thing about heaven, the beautiful thing about this family of God is you don't have to try to fit in anymore. You belong already. You know what it's like to be home? You don't have to try to impress nobody. You know, ladies, you don't want to make up at home. You just let it, you just you don't care. At home, makeup is for out there. Make, no, I want to go at home. Guys, you know, you're the same thing with your underwear. You're just walking around the house in your underwear. <laughs> Listen, church is home, but please come fully clothed and with makeup. <laughs> Both of those things are required. You don't need to wear a mask, but you better have some pants on, okay? If you want to get in here. But it's the image of the fact that I don't have to try to impress anybody. I can just be me. It's not just belonging. It's safety, too. Do you feel safe at home? I feel safe at home. You know that safety, that feeling of safety when you step in to a, a, a safe place? And, and I can imagine when everybody was on their pilgrimage, when everybody was on their pilgrimage, you know, the, the thieves knew the three times a year that people were on their pilgrimage, so they'd wait by the road to rob them. Could you imagine hearing the, the bushes rustle? It's nighttime. You hear the you're like, you know what you do when that happens? How wonderful, how beautiful. When brothers and sisters get along. <laughs> yeah, you gotta let them know like you're not alone, you know? How wonderful. And then, and then a couple hundred feet down the road, somebody who's also making the pilgrimage that's never met you, but they got the same song as you, hears you calling for help, and they hear you and they go, how wonderful. I got you, bro. I'll take C, you take B. How beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. <laughs> And all of a sudden, the guy in the middle and what started out with a one-person journey becomes an army of people protecting each other because we all know there's safety in numbers. There's safety in community. There's safety in oneness. Listen, if you want safety, you better get in numbers to protect you from the enemies. And I'm not just talking about the enemies in the world. I'm talking about the enemies that live in you. Sometimes I can be my own worst enemy, and I need someone who can protect me from my own thoughts. I need that when I sit down with somebody and I share the darkness in my mind, the crazy thoughts, they can come and say, you know what? Don't you believe that about yourself? That might be what you tell yourself, but that's not what the word tells me about you. The word says that you are more than a conqueror, that you are called, that God's angels protect you, that you are chosen, that you are a royal priest. You need someone to protect you. So like it or not, we are each other's home, and like it or not, we are each other's priests. We are each other's priests. Psalms 133, verse 2. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down the head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. That might not make sense to you, but Aaron is the high priest. And the high priest is the one person who ministers to everyone. But God is saying when community comes together, there's no longer one person ministering to everyone. All Christians become ministers to minister to each other. 1 Peter 2.9, you saw it on the screen a second, talks about this. This is theologically known as the priesthood of all believers. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are the ones chosen by God. Tell your neighbor, tell them you're the one. You're the one chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I hope you're following this. Now all of your fellow brothers and sisters become the ministers who minister to your life. They become your priests. Priests did four things in Bible times. Priests encouraged you. Priests corrected you. Priests prayed for you, and they sacrificed for you. Do you have friends in your life who encourage you? Do you have friends in your life who correct you? Do you is there anybody in life that can tell you that you're breasting? You better have somebody. And if you haven't heard it lately, you either have impeccable oral hygiene or no friends. One of those two. 
Do you have any friends that are, 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 are willing to pray for you? Do you have any friends that are willing to sacrifice for you? You need those people, and you need those kinds of people. You need people in your life you don't have to make an appointment with to see. I was in Next Steps. We do Next Steps, and one person asked me. It's like our assimilation kind of gets to know more of the church, and I asked questions. Somebody asked me, Pastor JJ, how accessible are you? I said, not very. I mean, I'm very accessible to our staff and our pastors. If they need anything, I'm there for them. Because if I can pour into them, they'll pour into the church. If you want to meet with me, by the way, anybody at church, it's easy to meet with me. All you got to do is make an appointment. But we got 1,500 people. So chances are, so I got an appointment with someone. So you might have to wait a while to have an appointment. And I used to feel bad at that. I'm failing as a pastor. I can't be there for everybody. This, I'm, and, but then, I, you know what happened? I went and I found my birth certificate. And I was so surprised to see my name is JJ. Not Jesus. This is terrible job security for me. I probably shouldn't admit this. But you don't need me. You need each other. You need a community of people who you can do life with that are not afraid to pour into your life. But I'll tell you why you think you want me. You think you want me because I'm the one person that you know that might know more than you. You know what I'm talking about? Because there are a bunch of people in your life who are ready to pour into you. The problem is they don't make enough money to earn your respect. Is it too personal? I'm not offending anybody. I hope I'm not offending anybody. They don't have enough master's degrees. They're not old enough. They're not experienced enough. So God sends people in our lives to speak to us, but because we don't think they're on our level, we're not opening our hearts to be ready to receive what they want to have, what God has for them. But let me tell you, anybody can be your priest. My wife has been my priest at times. I'm so thankful that God in our relationship has alternated our breakdowns. I break down on Tuesday. She breaks down on Thursday. And when I'm breaking down on Tuesday, she encourages me. And when she breaks down on Thursday, I encourage her. Thank the Lord, we've never both broken down on Wednesday. And on those Tuesdays, she's been my priest. Even though she doesn't have a ministry degree, even though she's one of the wisest people that I know. Listen, my, my nine-year-old, when he was three, was my priest. Justice, when he was three, was my priest. When we were in the hospital and my other son was passing away and I came downstairs and I was bawling, tears were coming down my eyes, he looked at me and he could barely put together sentences, but he had enough energy to put together this sentence. He goes, Daddy, I looked down at him, he goes, everything's going to be okay. My three-year-old was my priest in that moment encouraged me to get through what I was getting through. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that God spoke, prophesied through a donkey to speak to a pastor. A donkey. So I'm just saying, if God can use an ass. <laughs> if, there's any, if there's any young people in the room, I didn't cuss. In the, King, in the King James Version, the donkey, that's what it's called. Listen, if God can do that, who can't God use to speak to your life? I'll tell you who, the people you refuse to learn from. Maybe stop asking the Lord for more teachers and start asking him to become more teachable. I don't mean to be personal, but I kind of want to also. Because like it or not, the people that he surrounded you with are the ones that he has to help lift you up to the next level of your faith. And when you get into a small group, you are not just surrounded by a small group of people. You are surrounded by a small group of priests. 
People who might not have enough, enough experience as you do, might not have as, as big as an education as you do, but they love you and they're ready to encourage you and pray for you and correct you and push you and sacrifice for you. Welcome them in, because like it or not, we are each other's hope. We are each other's hope. Put it on the screen. We are each other's hope. Psalms 133, verse 3. It's like the dew. Somebody say the dew on Mount Hermon flowing down. Mount Hermon was the tallest mountain in Israel. Flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing, ordains eternal life. You might not have a good concept of dew in Florida. Maybe, maybe not, because in Florida, the agriculture is watered by the rain. It rains a lot in Florida. Sometimes I wish it wouldn't rain as much, but it's a blessing, I suppose, because some countries don't have a lot of rain at all. So we're grateful for it. But in Israel, it didn't rain a ton. And Mount Hermon was the tallest, Mount Hermon was the tallest mountain in Israel. So how do you water grass that exists above the clouds? The dew. When it got dark, the cold air created condensation, and the condensation is what watered the grass. That's called dew, which is a beautiful picture because in the morning, the sun would be there, and the plant and the grass would have what it needs to survive. But in the nighttime, when it was dark, the plant got what it needed from the dew. The dew is what helped the grass get through the night. Hello. Hope are the people and the encouragement that every single one of us needs to get through the night. I said it like this, and it's super duper corny, but it rhymes, and I think you'll remember it. I need you like the grass needs dew. I need you like the grass needs dew. In other words, I need you for the nighttime. I need you for when it gets scary in my life. I need you for when all I see is darkness, and I don't know if the sun will ever rise again. I need you. I need you to speak to me, to help me get through it. That is hope. That is, that is hope. And let me tell you, small groups are the opposite of social media. When you're on social media and you hear how well everyone's doing, it makes you feel worse about yourself. You feel stuck. But when you get in small group and you hear about the things that God's doing in other people's lives, it's completely the opposite. You don't feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're growing. Because number one, you start to hear all the stuff they're going through and you go, okay, great, I'm not the only one. You know how much relief you find in just realizing that you're not the only one that goes through things? It's crazy. And the other thing, you start hearing about the things that God's doing in other people's lives. I don't have time. I ran out of time. But I had a testimony here ready to share from a small group leader who was a Marine vet suffering from PTSD. A small group did something powerful in his life. And now he's going to start his own small group. Starts tomorrow, Faith, God, and Yoga, 730 at Lake Nona. This amazing thing God's doing in his life. When I share that story with you, Unlike social media, when you hear how well everyone else is doing and it makes you feel worse, you would think it's the same feeling, but in small group, you don't feel worse, you feel better. Because you hear that person's story and you go, wow, if God could do it in his life, then just maybe he could do it in my life. That's hope. That's hope. That's hope. So I hope you get in a group today. There's only three reasons why you wouldn't. I want to approach those three reasons. The first is you might say, well, I've tried groups and I don't like it. Well, I don't know. Try again. Listen, if the first flavor of ice cream you ever tried was pistachio nut, 
maybe ice cream's not the problem. Maybe you just tried the wrong flavor. Listen, if the first small group you ever went to had some nuts in it, and we try real hard to filter them out, but you know, can't keep them on. Huh? Maybe it's not all groups that you don't like that didn't work. Maybe it's just not that one. You just got to find the right one that fits your life. Another person might say, well, I can't be in groups because I'm busy. Got work. I got kids. We're all busy. But are you busy, too busy to eat? Too busy to sleep? Too busy to drink water? Like, community needs to be on that level in your life. Not as an option, but as the only way God is going to use, God is going to continue to grow and develop you and mature you in your faith. And the last reason you might not want to be in a group, and if we're being honest, is, you know what? I was hurt before. Hey, church hurt is a real thing. I've experienced it. I'm sure you've experienced it. But if the devil could use people to hurt you, then what if God could use people to heal you? James 5, 16, this is the last verse. We'll finish here. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you can live together whole and what? Yeah, and it said, confess your sins not to God. It said to each other. Pray for each other, for each other, so that you may live whole and healed. Like it or not, we are each other's healing. If you got some wounds in you that have pushed you away from people, isolation is not going to heal those wounds. Only community can restore. So I want to encourage you to do one of three things today, and then I'll pray for you, and we'll close. One, when this service is over, go to the lobby. Look at the board. See what groups are still available. Only 33 left. Scan the QR code. Get in the group. If you're not ready for that, get on a team. Next Sunday, come to Next Steps, and you can start stepping in the community little by little, once a week, serving on a team and then going home. And if you're not even ready for that, then let me encourage you to do this. Come to church every Sunday so you can get surrounded by people who believe when you can't believe, who have the strength to praise when you feel like you don't have the strength to praise. Because there is something beautiful and wonderful when brothers and sisters get along. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for the hurting today. The hurting today. You need relationship. You need Jesus in your life. If you're here and you're far from God, if you're here and somebody hurt you, today is your day for healing. On the count of three, I want to invite you to raise your hand. Nobody will be looking. Nobody will be judging. You're among friends. Better said, you're among family. And we want to welcome you to the family today. If you've been looking for a church, if you've just been looking for something real and authentic, Jesus is that authentic person you've been looking for. Come join the family. Come to the Father. Maybe you've grown up in church, but it's been years since you've really, really decided to follow him. Maybe you've been coming a journey for a while, but you never really took the step. That's you. When I say three, all over this building, I want to invite you to raise your right hand as a signal and a sign. Jesus, I need you in my life. On three, those who want to make that commitment, no judgment, just welcoming, just love, just excitement. Hands are already going up. On three, if that's you, one, two, three, right now. Nobody else looking. Come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see your hand. I see your hand all the way in the back in the last row. Hard to see you, but God sees you. Welcome to the family. With your hand held high, I'm going to ask the family to help us in prayer right now. I want everyone to repeat after me. Come on, family. Let's welcome them. Let's pray. Father God, today I come back home. Jesus, forgive me for my past. 
and prepare me for my future. I am ready to join this family. I love you, Lord. Help me love you forever. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, family. Welcome to the family. Come on. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.